All right, now it's recording. All right. We are back, people, with episode number two. The first one, I feel like, went pretty well for uh, just kind of jumping into it and getting going. Um, I sent it to one of my buddies. I didn't tell you this. I sent it to one of my buddies, the raw audio file, to get some feedback. He said he was pretty impressed that we were able to like keep the flow moving and like it sounded like a legit podcast. So Good. I was pretty psyched to hear that. Yeah. Um, so do you want to frame our discussion for today's podcast? Yeah. Um, today we're just going to start out with talking about ego and pride and self-esteem. Um, some of the good parts and bad parts of each of them, um, and kind of how one or two of them kind of evolve into the other part. Um, ego and pride personally for me has just been kind of an issue uh just kind of let it build up a little too far and uh then it kind of builds me up for a bigger fall in some of the smaller issues that i have that become more kind of catastrophic so yeah so let's uh let's take a look at each of these so what to you is ego like how do you define that um you know for yourself and and how you i guess view it um I think ego is a part of like everybody that, you know, wants something. They want to be better at something. They want to be good at something. They want to be admired for something. Um, but it goes about it in kind of a negative way. And it, ego is kind of one of those things that doesn't know enough to know that it doesn't know everything. And so in that attempt to kind of know everything or be able to be that reference point or that person that is admired, you kind of fill in those cracks or like those, those pieces that are missing with maybe negative behaviors or negative actions or just, um, you know, different types of things that can end up becoming triggers or detrimental to your health and way of thinking. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, the the easiest or the clearest way for me to look at it is it's almost like ego and self-esteem are kind of opposite sides of the same coin. Um, ego, like you kind of said, is where you're, you're doing things or behaving in a certain way to seek external validation from, you know, whether it be friends or people you don't know or potential romantic partners or, or whatever it is. You're not really doing things because you necessarily want to do them or feel like it's something you should do. You're doing it for that external validation. Where self-esteem is, is the flip side, where you are doing things or behaving in certain ways to, um, I guess, align with, with your goals or your values so that you kind of see yourself um, as a good person rather than looking to to external sources for that validation. You're kind of validating yourself. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in terms of ego, what are some of the things, I guess for you personally, that kind of cause your ego to to gain steam or, or maybe get out of control a little bit? Um, sometimes, like, I mean, I think that ego and pride go hand in hand. Um, and I think like your environment, um, can often lead to you, you know, gaining a sense of pride about something that maybe is a little bit more flimsy when you finally take a step back to look at it. Kind of like, um, like, like 
nationalism or you know extreme patriotism where like you might be from a certain part of the world and you might really like that really part of the world but you just kind of like let that blind you from how cool maybe the rest of the world is or build and it can stoke fears and stuff like that so i think environment even like at a city level or like at a high school level where you hate your rivals or you know you build these yeah kind of crazy walls around yourself because of kind of where you're from or the people that you're around all the time yeah and i mean i i guess i think of that too in terms of like state statism i guess you'd call it mm-hmm. like typically we're pretty proud to be from minnesota and i really didn't want to go into this topic too much but i'm just gonna say that now is not a great time to be from minnesota yeah I feel like. um but, but it yeah. kind of is though i mean it's 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 a part of the change and it's just interesting when it is where you're from it's different when like uh, protests and uprising can be where you're from so like it is interesting to see how some of the the egos are um being pushed and i think that like a lot of egos are being checked right now too so it's interesting but on a lighter note um being from minnesota there's a level of statism because i can genuinely say i don't like wisconsin (laughs) i would i wouldn't say i hate anybody i wouldn't say i would ever do anything dangerous or mean or or malicious to anybody but yeah no i don't like them and i don't and i'm and i don't like the green bay packers at all so yeah yeah. i think everybody can agree (laughs) that they can go they can go straight to hell yeah um but in terms of environment what do you think about like maybe your your friend group influencing that like if you're you know say you have a a key group of friends and, and you hang out often and maybe they're trying new things or exploring different areas or I guess snowboarding would be a good example like you you know if we're up on the mountain and one of our friends goes off a a big jump that you're afraid to go off of it's almost your ego that's kind of pushing you to to keep up with them or or maybe try and one-up them and so do you find that that happens a lot in in just your friend group maybe not specific to snowboarding but just in general do you think you're influenced by that? Yeah, I think that when I was younger, it was much more, I think peer pressure is a real thing. (laughs) And I think that peer pressure doesn't leave you really necessarily as you get older, but I think you just become better at understanding who you want to become. And like, I'm going to say a lot through nearly every podcast is um, trying to find a way to have your actions meet your intentions. Mm -hmm. And when you're younger, those intentions are different like you're trying to impress people more you're trying to maybe get that girl in high school you're trying to maybe get that group of cool kids to look at you so you can go hang out with them or maybe in college you're trying to get into a certain club or group because it might look better for you later in life um or maybe at work you're just trying to get into a group that hangs around the water cooler just so you can have somebody to talk to at work but either way you're going to end up doing things that maybe don't match your intentions but i think as you get older and I hope as you get older, you kind of start taking that inventory and being like moving that shift and and using that as a skill to kind of like move from ego to self-esteem where you don't necessarily have to like impress everybody all the time. Yeah. And I think that's a good point to you about age because as you kind of grow older and solidify your friend groups, you're not necessarily, I guess doing as many things for attention I feel like because you don't need to impress your friends anymore like you've had a friend group for some period of time or or you kind of just accept that you're not going to impress everybody or or be friends with everybody 
And so um, I think that's right. There's there's less peer pressure and less ego as you kind of settle into your groove as an adult and, and the people you surround yourself with. Um, you know, if you if you've worked hard to cultivate that good friend group, then they, they shouldn't be that, that ego pressure or that peer pressure to, to try and push you to do things that you don't want to do for yourself. Yeah. And just in, I think both of our lives, um, moving from Minnesota or to Oregon, you know, um, being in a different spot, being farther away from those friend groups, even as long as I've had them, definitely um has affected my ability to kind of just have more self-esteem in myself and not be CBU driven because now I just had to build different relationships with people out here and you can just kind of build off behaviors that you've done over the years and I think changing your environment kind of helps um enrich your life because you kind of because it is kind of an ego check like now you're in a different world now it's not so comfortable now you don't know all the cool places to be and you're able to go out there and kind of relearn again, and that's kind of the fun of it. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, so in terms of attention-seeking behavior or behavior that fuels the ego, can you think of specific examples of, of things that you do, maybe that you're not too happy with or not proud of or, or things that you know that you're doing for external validation versus internal validation? Yeah, um, sometimes I see myself doing it at work where I think I'm doing something because I really just like working hard, but I really am doing it because I just want somebody to be like, hey, you did a good job there, and I, it, it's nice to hear that, and it's even nicer to hear when you're just kind of doing it and it's flowing versus like kind of seeking that behavior when you're just like in your own realm, kind of like beaming your like light energy and you just live in your life and then somebody's like hey you're really you're, you're doing it that feels so much better than like you know finishing something and then like doing that like kind of chicken necking where you're just looking for people to really be like hey look what he's doing over there he's better than me because I really think that's kind of an ego side and I find myself doing that because I was trying to cultivate better habits at work but at the same time, it was kind of leaning towards that where I was only doing it to really kind of get that recognition because then other people would know I had good habits at work versus just flat out having them. And I think I've done a good job of kind of recognizing that and being able to kind of put that in check. Um, and then another example I think you brought up is the snowboarding one or just the extreme sports one and kind of being an adrenaline junkie. Um I think a lot of it comes from me doing it alone. I do go ride alone, not recommended, but it is something that just kind of gets you out of your element and lets you kind of explore the world still because there's a lot of this world that has just all been explored, so there's not really many questions left. So when you're able to go out there and kind of ask questions of yourself or ask questions of the world as you're experiencing it, it's a lot of fun, and I think pushing yourself with extreme sports like mountain biking or, you know, wake surfing or snowboarding or skateboarding or longboarding or anything like that, it kind of just pulls this side of you, this other piece of you that's on the inside that not a lot of people ever get to see and even yourself doesn't get to see and whether or not you can kind of dig down deep and go to that next level and kind of find a way to overcome that next fear. But it really is sometimes driven by the idea of the ego and just trying to impress people, trying to get that cool video for Instagram or, 
you know, trying to get it to land it in front of your friend to show him that you can do it before he can. And I think um, getting up there alone or just staying in my own zone when I'm with friends and just pushing myself because I simply want to push myself feels a lot more gratifying than landing it and getting to rub it in somebody else's face. So, yeah. Yeah, I can understand that. And I think, um, yeah, for me, what you brought up is definitely a big one. Social media, like, I feel like I don't always realize that I'm doing it. But when I post on social media, like, I typically am checking, you know, how many likes or how many views or how many whatever um, I got. And basically unintentionally linking that to some type of value, um, which I think a lot of people in this day and age kind of do to some extent. But I feel like not a lot of people are, are mindful of it. And so that's one of the things that... Definitely recently, I've been trying to, I guess, pump the brakes on um, in terms of social media in general. But I, is that just the world that we live in? Or do you think that there's a, a way to engage healthy, healthily with social media without kind of using it as a validation tool? Um, I think there is. Uh, it's funny because... Like, yeah, like you see a lot of stuff. I'm, I still use it. I don't think you are right now. Uh, I'm off for the time. Being. Yeah, for, for our hard 75s challenge, mm-hmm. which is going well. Um, but I, I still use it. I still like Instagram. I still take flower pictures. I'm an amateur flower photographer. So, um, <laughs> but no, like sometimes it's just like, like kind of like what I do. I don't do it for any money I don't do it for recognition I really don't do it for likes I just genuinely take pictures because it gives me a chance to like take a picture of something that looks pretty and I think looks cool and then I get the chance to like sit down and maybe edit a little bit take some time and put it out there just so somebody can see something that isn't so like heartbreaking all the time and it's just a flower and then some of the other things I see that I really admire are just people that are very very real on there Mm -hmm. Um, although there's no you know like lighting or special effects or music to it or like yeah, even if there filters. is they they just did it themselves and you can genuinely tell that they just did it themselves and they may not be looking for the likes or really caring about it or commenting on it at all and you can kind of tell their intent behind it and it's just really funny and wholesome and sometimes like some of the some of the uh, newer dads that I've seen in this day and age are you using it to kind of, kind of document their kids and make music videos about them I think that's just hilarious mm-hmm. because I don't think there's really Ill, any ill intent other than trying to document things that they're going to want to remember later they're just utilizing the service yeah. that they have versus you know that perfect perfectly like like shot photo that you see of some model or some some perfect aesthetic and some other shot are just these amazing, like well-produced photos, like professional photos that you just admire and get a million likes, which is wonderful. But it, it just like the intent seems to be a little bit different than some of those people you see. They're just kind of being wacky and stuff. Yeah, definitely. And I think that there's, I think you're right. I think there's a healthy balance. I think that I have yet to find it, but I think, you're really good at it especially when you talk about your your pictures like to me it doesn't seem like you're you know doing that to to get attention or or seek any validation like you just have dope pictures of flowers and you post them like you said it's kind of like a a ray of sunshine especially in times like this with corona 
and you know everything else that's going on um, it's just nice to see something that's not related to corona not related to trump not related to police like not related to anything it's just a nice break yeah and i think that's what a lot of people can do and especially like right now with a lot of civil unrest and stuff like that is just post the stuff that kind of makes them think good thoughts because like I, I just had a quote from my dad one time and he just said I was like thinking about all this bad stuff I had done and like really reeling and he was just like hey remember all the good stuff too and it was just really comforting to like be like brought back down and kind of have that ego check where I was sitting there thinking all this bad stuff's happening all these terrible things are happening but mm-hmm. there's a lot of good stuff happening too so yeah, yeah. just kind of look out for that stuff while you're out there because it's out there too yeah, and you brought up the Hard 75, which I think is interesting because I, like, the program, we talked about it a little bit in our last podcast, or most of our last podcast, but it's basically designed to kind of build mental resilience and mental toughness along with, you know, improve some, some general aspects of health. But I think parts of me, especially early on, have, like, kind of viewed it as a way to boost my ego. Like, you know, once we finish... And I'm able to like post pictures with a six pack and say, I gave up alcohol for 75 days and I ate healthy for 75 days. Like, look at me. I, I saw myself kind of doing that as I was like in the early stages of this program. I don't think that I'm going to do it anymore just because like I've had the social media break and I think it's been really, really relaxing. It's really eased some anxiety that I had, but I mean, there's parts of me that still, still think of it you know like we did this cool program but does it really count if you don't tell everybody about it i mean obviously it does but <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i i think that's valid because yeah i felt the same way um like i said i still am on a couple of the platforms and i don't post anything about, i haven't told anybody on there about hard 75 you kind of have to talk to me to even know i'm doing it um, mm-hmm. even if you do talk to me, it kind of has to come up about my schedule because yeah. I'm not just going to tell you when I'm working out. Mm-hmm. Um, I get really nasty and sweaty and I'm not even a big fan of working out, so I don't really like talking about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Like, do I do a culmination of this thing? Do I tell people what I've done? And I don't think I will. Um, I think I'll tell my mom. She's been a pretty big supporter of it. My brother too. A couple of my friends, a couple of my coworkers, um, and they just kind of want to see if I make it to the 75. Uh, other than that, like, yeah, I just, I really just am happy with myself to be able to wake up when I do and do the work that I do and make it through my day the way I do. And, and now I can accomplish things when, like, easily three years ago, if you had asked me to wake up at 5 in the morning to go to work, I would have done some terrible things you said, said, said some terrible things to you yeah so <laughs> it's I've, i feel like i've come a long way and i am proud of it and i and i don't want it to go to the ego pride side though because yeah. i like to keep it in that self-esteem and know that i'm really building a foundation of gold and it's been like a three-year process for me of really actually kind of waking up to mindfulness and um just the idea of becoming a better me and and having the power myself to do it and it's just been kind of like do i do i cheer for myself at the end of this is there a finish line (laughs) like what like what do i do there but i think the hard 75 is a really nice chunk of that where it's like a really kind of a microscope microscope view of 
of like a journey and then you can say hey i did this but you can easily just keep moving on because it's going to keep moving on regardless yeah so i think you brought up an interesting point there and i I just want to touch on it i'm sure we'll dig into it a little bit later but you almost frame it as kind of this program fueling or influencing self-esteem rather than like self-esteem driving you to do this program. And so I think that, I'm trying to think how to explain this. So I think in terms of like cause and effect, like there's certain things that you can, you do because you have self-esteem. And I think that's typically what we think of in terms of what self-esteem is, but there's also things that you can do. And then again, like based on how you view them or based on the outcome, you can use it as like a, a precursor to self-esteem. And so I think this program is kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, like, so 100%. In circles, but. Yeah. No, no, no. I think that was a really good summation of that. I, yeah, I went into this not actually thinking I was going to be able to do it. I had actually attempted it before, and I think I made it four days. I was oh, a little more strict. Huh. I have I have allowed myself to use marijuana this time, mm-hmm. but I have been pretty strict on every other aspect of it. And I think I only made it four or five days last time. And I didn't have the same workout program and I didn't um, quite follow the, like have the same nutritional guidelines that I do this time. And I've gotten a little more strict on those over the past couple of weeks. But yeah, I just have found like through mindfulness to utilize that skill, those muscles that you don't see, like they're the ones in your mind and in your heart and in your brain that you to rewire the way you're thinking not to like necessarily always be getting something out of like doing something not be getting a reward but like really shifting to kind of that cliche of like the journey being the reward Mm -hmm. where you don't just you're not just going to wake up on day 75 and have that six pack you didn't just go get surgery and have to recover from it that'd be nice you, yeah you earned it like you went every step of the way up that up that hill yeah and so all of a sudden if you can shift that way of thinking as opposed to just looking at that cup or that finish line at the top of the hill to really just embracing and loving every moment up it mm-hmm. that's what i think is like all about like mindfulness and like killing that ego and being present and being in the moment and just like really living life at to its fullest because now you're not skipping over parts of life because you think something's coming you're just genuinely looking at it as it's coming with you yeah for sure um so let's move back to social media a little bit because i think that kind of feeds into this next topic that we had of like how addiction relates to ego and so i think for me personally at least when i would get into these patterns of you know, making social media posts for feedback or for attention, I feel like that almost is like an addiction, like depending on how you're getting feedback or what type of feedback you're getting, it just becomes like this fuel for this fire so that you keep doing it. I remember um, towards the end of last year, like after it was after a breakup and I just felt like this need to to post everything that I was doing on social media just to kind of like prove to myself and everybody else that like I was okay and still, still, I guess, chugging along and having a great life. And it just became like this cycle where even shit that nobody cares about or like stuff that I didn't care about, it's just, you know, get it up there to show that I'm doing something and to get some type of 
external validation. So what, what aside from social media in terms of like addictions or, or things like that, do you think kind of feed, feed ego? Uh, I think like, I think sex as an addiction can feed the ego. I think trying to go out there and meet people and, you know, find, have multiple partners or just like be like that person who has a lot of women or has a lot of things and, and acquires things or has the drugs. Like I think utilizing them, not necessarily being addicted to them, but utilizing them for an ill intent or, you know, to get something out of it for a reward is, is kind of what really boosts the ego versus just being an addict. I don't think anybody starts doing stuff and is like, yeah, I'm really excited to be addicted to this. <laughs> they get hooked because either somebody wants them to be involved in it with them or they want to be involved in it because they, they want to be around something or be, car- be part of something. Um, <clears throat> and I think that having those things, that having like the the nice cars and acquiring too much wealth or uh, just having drugs and dispersing them and being the life of a party and being that guy that always has them. I think that is an ego driven lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what contributes to a lot of addictive behaviors in people. Do you feel like that's been you at any point in life? Yeah, I think, yeah, I was an enabler for people. I think I've been enabled by other people. I think I wanted to be at the parties. I wanted to be the guy that showed up. I wanted to be the one that had the cool picture at the end of the night of all the drinks. You know, like yeah. I, like I was a young, dumb, young man, mm-hmm. and I'm now like a slightly wiser, but still pretty dumb man. <laughs> and it's just you start realizing, like I'm, I'm gonna say it a million times when, how, if your actions and intentions are even close to each other. Because that's when you start feeling bad about yourself again, is when you start going home and realizing you're doing things you don't want to do. Yeah. And that's where I think killing that ego, realizing like, oh man, I'm just doing this. I'm just buying this case of beer for all these people just so they'll let me come to the party. That is going to destroy you over time. When you can maybe either say, I'm going to buy this beer because I want to and I'll share it or I'm just not going to go to that party because I'd rather be around people that don't want to be around me that want to be around me because I have of who I am versus what I have. Right. And then you can start building that self-esteem and that self-worth again. And that's what makes that that's what helps you make really good decisions again. So, yeah, for sure. Uh, I guess kind of along those same lines, then what do you feel like? are are triggers for ego or or things that would make you kind of look to to feed that ego hunger um in an in a potentially unhealthy way versus um you know maybe changing or reframing the the situation to kind of make it feed self-esteem a little bit more in one word i would say vanity um there's like one of my favorite cake songs ever it's called thrills mm-hmm. and it's like uh it's like this old recording of this guy talking and then they play like a really funny funky jazz riff over it. it's a really good song i would check it out if i were you and basically what he says in the song is man is born man lives man dies and it's all vanity 
<laughs> and I think in American culture, especially, that is true, where we are just, I think nearly anything's a trigger. I think keeping up with the Joneses is a trigger. I think trying to impress a sexual partner is a trigger. I think trying to impress your friends or a rival is a trigger. I think trying to get a better job is a trigger. I think trying to go to the good school is a trigger because you're always trying to have, you always have to be better than the person next to you for those things if you seemingly want them. But I think, like, along with them just being triggers, you can flip them and they can be motivational pieces mm-hmm. versus looking at it like, oh, I only got to do this because John did this. You know, I got to be better than this guy. He's already taller than me. Now what am I going to do? You know, I, <laughs> as opposed to doing that, I could just be like, you know what? Like, just, like, let, let it motivate me. Like, he's on the come up. I'm happy for him. Let that flower grow. And then I can grow too, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, like, I think nearly anything can be a trigger, but I think it really boils down to vanity and trying to be better than the person next to you. So vanity and maybe a little bit greed or envy mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you think that just the general sense of isolation that we've all been feeling since COVID started has done to ego? Do you think it's kind of forced us to stifle that flame of ego or do you think it's kind of fueled us to to seek ego validation in other ways just because we don't have those regular interactions like we're not out in public we're not doing the things that we normally do do you think that's had an effect on it i want to answer b on that question and yeah i think we've just shifted i think it's just um like we're stuck inside, so now you have to make different Instagram videos. Alright, sorry, technical difficulties. Yeah. We're back now. So I think that um we've just kind of shifted and that instead of kind of being you know, able to go outside, you just kind of make those videos indoors and you just are able to still share and be who you are and kind of try and share your ideas or kind of show off. But I don't think that being inside has kind of changed it at all. I still see amazing production value on a lot of the content on the internet. Mm. And it's pretty incredible for people that are in quarantine to do that. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, so let's move on to kind of the next topic. Let's talk about things that check our ego. Maybe if it's getting too out of control or maybe you're you're not really being mindful of it or paying attention to it, and then all of a sudden something happens and you're like, oh, I suck, or oh, I'm not nearly as cool or as good or as you know skilled at this thing as I thought I was. And so one that I kind of talk about quite a bit and it seems like it's been getting worse but is age um i feel like even though we're not really that old we're in our early 30s um i feel like there's just certain things within like maybe the last five to six years have just really caught up with me and have been kind of like an ego check um going out you know partying until 2 a.m i'm definitely not able to do that anymore I'm barely able to stay up until 2 Mm a.m. without alcohol. Yeah, yeah. Um, So that's that's a big one. And then um, I think along with that, too, just like weird things that you never expected to happen until you were like 50, like 
chronic low back pain or knees clicking or things like that. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you've had that? Yeah. I think that, um, like age and work and relationships can have a, uh, they can check your ego. They can bring you back down to earth. Um, and that's why I think it's so important to build those other skills to have kind of a safety net or um, kind of like a toolbox that I reference a lot. Um, because like sometimes you can get checked and you can fall a real far away. You know, you can all of a sudden realize like you're saying like you're 28, 29 and your low back hurts now. And like, as opposed to playing a couple rounds of golf in a week, you can only pull out one or something like yeah. that. Um, like I've had those experiences. Um, I think that's why the fitness is so big for me now, especially in regards to the age, mm-hmm. especially for work for me. I do a really physically demanding job as a production technician for an air compressor company. So I, I have been checked by them. But as like I've gotten older and kind of experienced stuff and have have kind of like learned over the past couple of years through a lot more mindfulness techniques, I think that like this 51% has worked out for me. And I think it's a good time here to kind of talk about it in regards to ego and pride. What I mean by 51% is 100% is way up top, right? We all know what 100% is. It's way above zero. Mm-hmm. And 51% is right above halfway. And I'm not saying cut yourself short. I'm not saying this is a grading scale in any terms. Obviously, like 60% would be a low D. So if we're at 51%, we'd be failing. I'm not saying that. We're not not on a scale here. But what I'm saying is that's where you want kind of like your ego to ride or that pride before it becomes detrimental. Let's say it turns detrimental at like 60 or even 55. So let's keep it at 51. Now when you get that age, that work check, that relationship check, you get dumped by somebody because you don't think you're good enough. Um, you can't do any, anything physically anymore that you were able to do a couple of years ago because age has caught up to you. You've just kind of fallen out. If you fly at 51, it's a lot less damaging to fall to zero than it is if you're flying at 100. And if your ego is at 100, you've already gotten so far out there, you don't even believe that your age is ever going to catch up to you. You don't even believe that anything could ever get you. You kind of feel invincible like I did when I was 20. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm 34 now. So when I go jump off the jumps up at Timberline and I come down, I feel it every time. Yeah. So like I have to do things in order with that to make it possible for me to do that. And accepting that I am not going to be perfect all the time accepting that i am going to deteriorate over time because that's what time does mm-hmm. has allowed me to understand that if i take care of my legs and i take care of my back then i can keep doing this for many more years hopefully yeah and i think that's the important part is just kind of taking care of it um and preventing you know long-term issues that arise from this and not just age like the other ones you talked about too work and relationships like paying special attention and kind of being mindful and thinking about the, the future, I guess. Um, did you have anything else you wanted to cover specific to relationships? And we didn't really talk uh, about that Not much. necessarily in relationships. I think they, they all kind of go hand in hand. I don't think any relationship like necessarily is more detrimental or anything than that. Um, I just think that if you don't have that respect for yourself or that esteem or that, that ability to kind of have worth in yourself that I think that these ego checks can really bring you down 
and that's where depressive states or or kind of sad states or just um just kind of unhealthy thinking can arise because you just put too much stock in something that is kind of built on a flimsy foundation like your own age or your own invincibility or what you're able to accomplish or who 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 you're going to be with for the rest of your life but things change time changes it's it's like the only constant in the universe mm-hmm. so if you can just kind of accept those things and then have those skills to like change what you can change and control what you can control and let go of what you can't i think it's going to be really beneficial in the end with relationships down the road because yeah. then you're able to kind of go into it with less in the bag all not all your eggs in one basket is kind of what i was saying about that 51 percent rule because then you don't fall as far you don't lose as much you don't feel as bad i'm not saying you're not having a good time like you're you're over halfway you know you're at 51 you're, you're still loving life you're just not kind of freaking out on one end or losing it all the way on the other end you're kind of just maintaining in the middle and it's it's a lot healthier and a lot more stable but that sounds like barely over halfway could you like 70 percent or like 75 yeah i mean yeah you can take it wherever you want i just think i I like the 51 percent because it felt like i was still getting where i want to go but i'm just kind of hanging in the middle because you don't want to be too high or too low yeah and so kind of along that line it almost sounds like what you're what you're talking about is almost a bit of humility um, just accepting the things like age, like you said, the things that constant change is going to happen regardless of what you do. Um, so it, I guess how, how does humility relate specifically to ego aside from just forcing yourself to accept things that you don't want to accept? Oh, I think humility goes a long way in, um, kind of, flushing out the ego because it allows you to kind of take a step back and realize what's important um like you just are able to look at yourself and say that you're human and you're you are totally fallible and that's okay Mm -hmm. and once you can kind of do that and and just step out of that i think that that allows you to bring a level of acceptance into you that can then lead to the 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 proper steps to kind of diminish the ego and and like we were saying right at the beginning the way we framed it is shift and morph that word into something completely different yeah yeah that's a good point um so i think along with acceptance you had this point the togetherness mindset can you talk about that a little bit yeah and that's just kind of like along the lines of what I was just saying, just once you realize like you're a human, you realize that you're kind of in the collective, you're a, you're a piece, you're, you're like a string and a, a beautiful piece of fabric. Like without you, it wouldn't look the same. And mm-hmm. it just like you're, you, you add strength to that thing. Um, and it, like without every piece of it, it'd start falling apart. So like as a collective, humans are all together and we can feel each other. We like each other. We, come closer to one another some people we like more than others some people we like less than others but we all kind of acknowledge that we are all human and we are all here so when you can do that and just say oh man that guy can f up too it's all right and and that can kind of bring that ego shift about because you can start seeing the human in somebody else and then with just being through togetherness, like through the idea that you are now, you know, you go through life together with people, whether they're in your house or not, you can start like accepting them for what they are 
And when you can accept yourself for what you are, it's a lot easier to accept other people for what they are, and it makes a lot a lot more peaceful around everywhere. Yeah, and I think kind of along with that, um, you touched on a little bit, but in when you are compassionate towards other people, I think that paves the way for a greater sense of self-compassion. Um, I think typically most of us have kind of a tendency to be harder on ourselves than we are on others. Um, I was talking to you a little bit about this before the podcast, but I read a book the other day that kind of, I don't remember exactly what I was talking about. It was something kind of related to, to mindfulness and loving kindness. But basically, if you are having a bad day or something didn't go the way that you wanted it to, we have a tendency to beat ourselves up about it or, or kind of put ourselves down. Whereas if we thought of these thoughts in terms of them occurring in the person sitting next to us rather than in our own head, you know, our, our default behavior for most of us isn't to get on somebody else's case or, or further put them down or, or kind of pull at that thread and, and kind of, you know, increase the wound. It's naturally to be compassionate and be forgiving. And, you know, if you came up to me and you're like, man, I had a shitty day. I'd be like, well, that sucks, man. It's going to be all right though. And talk about it but if i think to myself like i have a shitty day then i just it like festers it's like a like a wound that you know until i take my mind off of it or until something else distracts me like i just have a tendency to be harder on myself than i would be on anybody else yeah i agree and i do the same thing and i think a lot of people do that out there and it just creates this void and this downward spiral um and it just honestly creates just some stinking thinking and you Mm -hmm. just start getting down on yourself and it's hard to bring yourself back from that and that's where I think understanding that there are other people out there and it's a give and take where I think if you give compassion to others you you end up receiving gifts from that in yourself because you feel good about doing that and then in turn somebody you know not because it's owed to you but somebody might just show compassion to you and that's what's going to start building that. And you just start doing that give and take and give and take. And and collectively, like we we're saying, like like you don't pull at the thread, but you you kind of you're there and you and you and you help the person through that. I think that that togetherness is what creates a level of humility that gets you out of those those stinking thinking spirals. Yeah, stinking thinking. I've never heard that. That's, that's a good way to think about it. But I think yeah, I think self talk in general, like. A lot of us typically default to a more negative form of self-talk, and and if it's not something that we either you know practice compassion or or be really mindful about it, it can kind of get out of control and and run amok, and that leads to that type of thinking that where it's just your default behavior is or your default think thinking is negative. Yeah, which creates a number of other problems. Yeah, you don't want to start in the in the negative. It, it makes it hard to to kind of get out of there. Yeah. So um, let's jump into improving our way of thinking. So if we are, you know, having this negative self-talk or even back to just more general having issues with with ego, how can you shift your mindset and kind of work towards more of building self-esteem rather than feeding ego? Um, Yeah, just... Like we were saying with humility, it gives you a chance to take a step back. And I think improving your way of thinking is utilizing that moment where 
at least you've built that ability to create some space, right? So you already have found out like, hey, maybe my, my actions aren't meeting my intentions. I'm gonna do something about it. I, you kind of bring yourself back down to earth, whether you got checked by something or not, and you just kind of have a chance to, to take a step back and take like a personal inventory of kind of like what you're focusing on or what you're really doing. And literally inventorying what you have in your toolbox, like you, like maybe like you had just crashed an airplane and you have to find your way onto the beach to try and signal for help. You have to kind of find a way to see what tools you have at your disposal at that moment and build yourself up and push through the fear of what, what's coming next and just say, Hey, I got to find a different way of doing this so I can make it to where I want to make it. And I think the, the number one way of doing that is taking that personal inventory and really realizing what you are good at first and what you, what you, what you have an ability to do or where, where a, a, a spot in your body where you've already created enough space to maybe put some of this misplaced focus or this misplaced um, trust in something or these misconceptions that you have. And then just kind of going from there, taking an inventory on something that maybe you don't have. Like, hey... I need water now. I don't have it. I have to go and get that. And it may be just something like giving yourself a timeout. Like that might be your new way of finding water or creating space. And literally doing a tea with your hands, looking at yourself and saying, all right, give yourself a five-minute timeout just to get away from that thinking. And then you can kind of go from there onto that next step. And figure out what other tool you can either throw in your toolbox or what other tool you can take out of your toolbox to get yourself to where you need to be. So so what tools specifically would you say that you have? Or, or what are some examples of tools that somebody could find um, to, to take inventory of? Like things that they could identify as good in relation to ego or, or being able to keep that ego in check? Um. Right off the bat, it's just kind of checking your physical sign, um, just kind of seeing how upset you are about something, mm-hmm. um, seeing where you're driven from, why, what your intentions are, um, and really just kind of sitting down and giving yourself a break, maybe writing those things down, um, I think has been the most helpful for me. And then also just, if you're not a big fan, starting to read but if you are like maybe finding an author or a friend that knows an author of somebody that is talking about something that you might be going through and just kind of like getting another perspective on something just so you have like something in your brain to bounce your thoughts off of and be like oh wait that makes sense or they have a point there that sounds crazy but like at least you have another viewpoint so you can feel a little bit better about the way you're thinking yeah Um, yeah, I think that's a good point. I think specific to ego, like if you're really going to take a good self evaluation, you would look at the the spots in your life that are causing the most friction or that, you know, kind of like you said, don't have a lot of space and you would start looking at those things. And I think if you're able to look at those pieces objectively, that's kind of where you start to realize like maybe this isn't really important to me for me. Maybe I'm trying to convince myself it's important or or pretending it's important because it fuels that ego side. Like, you know, like we talked about before, like social media, like I don't, I could care less what people from, 
high school, you know, 13 years ago, think about like what I'm doing right now. But it just became this habit where we just wanted that clout, like wanted that recognition. And so Mm -hmm. that was definitely a big misalignment for me. And so I think things like that, like if you are able to to sit down and like you said, just uh, take a tea, focus on what you feel like is the most misaligned in your life. And a lot of, a lot of physical signs will point to, to it too. Like if you're holding a lot of tension in your body, something is, is misaligned and you have to, kind of inventory journal and and figure out what that is before you can start to tackle it yeah yeah you have to know what you're kind of going up against to understand what you're doing and i think that kind of relates to like this covid thing that we're going about because if you don't know what you're going up against and you can't see it it's not tangible it's a little bit more frightening so sometimes like when you're in your own head and you're kind of being ego driven and you know you're going down the wrong path and you kind of can't change the way you're doing but you don't know why you're doing it or you don't know what's causing it, it can be almost more infuriating or more frightening to face that mm-hmm. because you have no idea what it even looks like. Yeah. Whereas if you can kind of take that personal inventory and like realize what you're good at, what you're not good at, and then kind of like go from there, it just, it, it eases it. It gives you kind of like a roadmap to kind of, kind of go about it. Yeah. And I think the really important thing is to, try to look at things objectively and obviously if you're having an issue and if you've been dealing with it for an extended period of time it's really hard to be objective about something especially if it's a if it's a feeling that you hold or a belief that you hold that you know maybe maybe misaligned from from what your actual values are but you've just held on to it for so long that it's kind of become a part of you I think that's where journaling helps Uh, I think that's where mindfulness which we'll talk about in a second here helps but I also think like having uh, a strong, I guess, network or, or family support system where you can talk about these things and kind of get somebody else's objective opinion to maybe pick holes in, in your way of thinking or identify the areas where you're clinging too tightly. I mean, in a way, that's kind of what we're, what we're doing here. Like, just go, you go start a podcast and yeah. talk about it with your friends or something. Yeah, just giving yourself a level of vulnerability sometimes too helps with this um, to like kind of break down that ego and shift it into like more positive way of thinking about it. Because mm-hmm. I, I definitely am not saying don't be yourself. I'm not saying don't go out there and get what you want out of life. I'm not saying, you know, change every aspect of your life and become something that you're not. And that's not at all what I'm saying. What I'm saying is kind of just be mindful of what you're doing and understand what you're doing and then see if your values align with what your what your actions are and i think if you can do that you just end up like a happier person overall yeah and so i guess that kind of leads us to just more general talk about mindfulness and it's something that i've been like exploring pretty heavily over the past i don't know year year and a half or so um, i took a mindfulness class um, like last fall sometime and that's the first time that I really had the idea of mindfulness described to me. Um, I mean, it's it's kind of one of those things that seems really, really simple. But if you start to think about it, it's really, really difficult. Basically, what mindfulness is, is like we've talked about, taking a step back and looking at things objectively and trying to, trying to identify um, what the feeling is that you're experiencing but then 
almost going like an, another dimension and identifying what attachments you have to that feeling or what kind of beliefs that you're holding towards that feeling or towards that thought that are preventing you from from seeing it objectively yeah yeah that's pretty much the same way i feel about mindfulness and similarly yeah i've been just it wasn't a part of my life for a really long time and like you said it seems really easy but it's a lot like running a marathon we're like, yeah, I know how to run. I can do this. But you don't know how to pace yourself. You don't realize the constant vigilance it takes to kind of always be monitoring your thoughts. You'll get tired at first. You'll get tired of it. You'll get tired of other people. Mm-hmm. Because it's a lot like strength training or distance running. It takes a really long time to build up the skill. And then you have to maintain it. Yeah. So it. If you have no idea what it even is, and then you try and go out there and start running, like running a marathon on day one, you're going to fail. Yeah. Unless you just, you you get lucky or something. But it's just, you really got to just go out of your way to really set yourself up and build those skills and build those muscles like you would on the outside, but you're doing it kind of on the inside this time. I mean, I guess let's, maybe let's try and frame like a very simple example. Like something that just came to mind is say that you are say that this hard 75 is over and we're back to drinking and you run into the, the gas station or to the store or wherever to grab a 12 pack of profuse juice and there's one left and you right as you're going to grab it somebody else comes and grabs it what what is your initial reaction now well before practicing mindfulness before practicing mindfulness yeah, I mean, I'm not a very confrontational person. Well, yeah. So, like, I wouldn't... But, yeah, like, I would... Initially, I'd be like, that's mine. It w- I don't know if I would, like, externalize that. But, yes, like, at the base root of it, I would be like, this person's inconveniencing me. If I don't take that, I better take that. But you'd have some internal feeling, whether it's like, oh, fuck that guy. Or yeah, like, oh, yeah, I would, son of a yeah, bitch. They, like, this he, guy he ruined there. my day by just, just living. Yeah. <laughs> like, nothing that he was trying to do. Like, it just... It was happenstance that he got there a couple seconds before you. And so mindfulness is kind of taking that step back and saying, okay, really on the scale of things, this isn't that big a deal. If I really want a 12-pack of profuse juice, I can just go down the street to the next store and they probably have it. And then it's also examining why did this get me so worked up or why is my instant reaction, you know, anger or or frustration when really it it's just like you said the guy's just living his life like it didn't really impact you other than a mild inconvenience and it's just kind of like it it gives you a chance to look back and see his intent Mm -hmm. and like 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 i'm like i'm always going to say about like where where your intentions are his intent wasn't to ruin my day his intent was to enjoy his day the exact same way i was trying to yeah based on the story Mm -hmm. and so it's just you just got to be mindful of everything around you. And it is tiring, like I'm saying, like a marathon. But, like, if you build those skills up, the next time you're confronted with that, it's, okay, whatever, you know? Like, that's all you. You can you can let that person have it. Maybe they'll let you have it. Yeah. Because you don't know what's going to happen, but at least you're of the mindset now of just able to go with the flow and take it as it is. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's the important part. Like you said, it's a habit. You have to develop that skill, and you have to practice it over and over, and you have to apply it to everything. And it's not necessarily just applied to 
bad feelings or bad interactions or bad thoughts. Like you can apply mindfulness to, to good things too. Like, you know, somebody, some random person on the street gave me a compliment today. Like we were just talking about earlier, complimenting other people. Um, and you can be like, wow, that really felt good. And then just kind of explore the, the feelings that you have attached to that and kind of how, how you view it. Um, it's, it's really hard to, to do and hard to practice, but if you develop the, the muscles and, and build the repetition, then it becomes easier long-term. Yeah, yeah, totally. And the really good way that it was described to me by a close friend and like kind of guru now is like it's a lot like surfing, which I'm a big fan of. I'm no good at it, but it really looks cool, and I've tried it a couple times. But like when those emotions come with mindfulness, with your ability to like kind of understand it better, no matter what it is, if it's jealousy, happiness, rage, anger, sadness, Mm -hmm. depression, learning to ride that wave, right? And like I'm saying, surfing is hard. Mm -hmm. I've tried it. I'm a pretty athletic guy, like most board sports, but that is one of the hardest things I've ever done. Yeah. If you stick with it and you keep getting knocked down by those waves, which you're going to over your life, especially when you're younger, especially before you even understand what changing your mindset is or Mm -hmm. allowing yourself to trust other people and learn from other people, you're going to get beat up out there. But if you just keep going with it, once you start riding those waves and get up and you start following the wave and it's just a nice smooth ride on a wave, it's it looks really fun. I haven't gotten there yet on a real surfboard, but uh, I'm just saying it looks really fun to be able to just kind of ride it out and have like a good ending to something when like maybe throughout your life, like a lot of those emotions and those experiences have always ended in a bad or traumatic experience. If you can just kind of learn to ride that wave and build that skill, like and have a, that a good ending, it, it, I think it will go a long way towards a happier life. Yeah. And just, just challenging like your default reactions, like you have, you have a gut feeling or you have a gut reaction and then just taking a second or two to say, why, why, why is that my default? Or why did I react that way to this situation? And I think I'm, I'm like you, like I'm don't consider myself good at this by any means, but I'm to the point where I've started to try to make it a regular practice. And I think one of the things that's really helped me is if I have like a negative situation or a bad feeling or a a feeling that I'm not necessarily proud of, the first step is just acknowledging that this is an opportunity for mindfulness. Like even if you don't take the time to explore it or explore the different attachments to it, because I mean, even as we describe that now, that sounds time consuming and cumbersome to investigate every single feeling. But just realize you're really good at it. You can you can can master the skill. Yeah, you can you can master it and you can do it kind of on the fly. But I think that's one of the things that's helped me a lot is just even if I'm not like practicing it all the time, just saying, oh, this would be a good opportunity to practice mindfulness or, oh, this is uh, a spot where I could dig into this a little bit more. Even if I don't take the time to do it, just acknowledging it already breaks up that default pattern that you're in. And that's the first step towards kind of towards resolving it, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100 percent. And. I think mindfulness for me has also just allowed me to go from kind of like when I was younger being, um, uh, for lack of a better term, a little bit more of an explosive personality, a reaction, like kind of like a, you know, like a chemical reaction. They're a little bit more violent and 
abrupt to more of a response to most everything I do. Like, I think that's exactly like what you're saying is, is taking that time is now like going from a reaction to where like an instant stimulus, like snap, snap to like snap. What was that? Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And then you kind of respond to it versus just an instant reaction to it. Yeah. And I, I think just to kind of wrap up that point or wrap up the, the mindfulness piece is like we've said, it's not something that happens overnight. It takes practice and patience. And I think it's also one of those things where you're going to progress really well at some points, and then you're going to regress or, or stall in your progress at some points. Um, you know, it's not something that's a quick fix to change your, your default way of thinking. And so I would just, you know, be patient, understand that it's a slow process. Some people may get it quicker than, than you do, but overall, if you can incorporate mindfulness into your daily life, I mean, it helps with ego, it helps with self-esteem, along with a myriad of other, I guess, feelings or or components that make up the the human brain. Oh, yeah. Cool. So, do you want to move on to some practical things that people can do to help with managing ego and building self-esteem yeah um yeah i think we both had like we both are two very different people similar in a lot of regards uh both moved from minnesota out west I th- you you spent some time down in texas before coming out here mm. um but yeah we both kind of ended up in the same place from the same place and i think it's interesting because we both had similar experiences nobody ever lives the same life as anybody else I think it's just been interesting to see two guys like us kind of find that way through and kind of get to that point where we are able to get to that mindfulness level Mm -hmm. and now get to the point where we've experienced this stuff so far that we have actually built up our own kind of toolboxes for what what gets us through some of these these hard times are able to bring our egos down and are continuing to build yeah oh yeah continue like forever um it's just yeah you always learn something new from people and that's why i think like traveling is so important and why i love it so much because it's always fun to get new perspectives and stuff to add to these these skills but yeah something that has been huge for me right off the bat honestly is meditation and I think it's just the ability to kind of take a step back, whether you do guided meditation or just solo meditation. Um, it's just the the one thing that's been able to kind of clear my mind from like a thousand thoughts down to one, really bring things back down to the basic and really kind of just kill the idea of the ego and understand where I am, who I am, and like what I'm doing in every moment. And so like that has been the number one for me to kind of change the way I think is because I used to just not even give myself a break in a day. Mm-hmm. I felt that productivity was good. Like any sort of movement I was being productive with and I couldn't even stop. I was like a, like a border collie, like a sheepdog. Like they yeah. could just, they just, they, they would run until like they'll chase their shadow until they pass out because that's just what they do. Mm-hmm. And so being able to finally get to the point through like just the idea of mindfulness to get to a point where I can sit myself down for, you know, 10, 20, 30 minutes a day and just sit peacefully in the quiet and just make it through and just 
bring all of those millions of thoughts that I have it throughout every day down to one thought of just breathing and understanding that that's just what it is to be alive, just, just breathing in and out and being a part of this collective and just trying to be there for other people. And kind of that has helped me kind of crush the ego right off the bat. So I think meditation is an interesting one because for me, I feel like it kind of has a reverse effect where I try to practice meditation. I struggle with it and I beat myself up because I feel like I should be better, which is ego, <laughs> like showing its ugly face, right? You know, yeah, it's like the carnal sin of meditation is to feel bad about <laughs> doing meditation. <laughs> I know, but it's, it's one of those things where like I'll, I'll set a timer for like 20 minutes or whatever and, you know, sit down. I'll do good for the first couple minutes and then all of a sudden I'll just be off on some rabbit hole thinking about God knows what. And then my timer will go off and I'll be like, Oh, what the fuck? I, I didn't even, you know, I beat myself up because I didn't do it. I never brought myself back to the breath and I've tried like guided meditations and non-guided meditations and different forms, walking meditations, you know, a bunch of different stuff. And that's another one of those things like mindfulness where you really have to commit to it and you really have to practice regularly and you can't beat yourself up if you're not making the progress that you or even that your ego is telling you that you should be making. Yeah, 100%. And that's like number one. That's why I think it's helped me so much over the past couple of years is because initially, yeah, calming down my brain, man, did that take some work. Like, because I just always either want to invent the next big thing or be part of the next big thing. I have this serious FOMO of, of, of everybody else doing cool things. And I, it was just impossible. It felt, and then I just, one of these times, like with a guided meditation, it just, this, the, the lady that, that he guided me through it, um, had said just like, when you do drift off, just like be compassionate with yourself, be kind to yourself when you do come back and cultivating that in myself is what, like you're saying, like that, you, that you're having trouble with is what it was, is able for me to do that to other people now. Mm-hmm. And like I was saying earlier, now that I can do that to other people and show compassion to them, they can bounce back to me. And then when I go back to meditate, I feel that. And then I understand when I do get off on a tangent that I can just bring it right back into where I am in that moment. And it's all good because I'm able to kind of cultivate that feeling now. So when you meditate now, do you feel like you're able to see that you've progressed from when you first started meditating? Yes. Yeah. I can stay much more focused on like just a simple breath now. And like I'm saying, like I do not make it through an entire meditation without having some tangent or some rabbit hole that I go down. Mm -hmm. But it's the ability to bring yourself back compassionately and in your own space that 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 is the real the real skill there and it took a while but i think like the guided meditation helped because sometimes like they just kind of check in they're kind of like it's almost like they're watching you but they're not but they're like hey it's okay if you're not thinking about it but you can come right back in and it's okay and you're just like sitting there like like are they watching me (laughs) but uh, hopefully they're not but like once I was able to kind of like make that joke in my head and it's like just kind of like laugh it off and be like you know what you're right like I'm just it's just another one of those thoughts that maybe I should focus on when I am telling myself to focus on that thought but for this moment what I'm asking myself to do is just breathe and think about the feeling of the breath coming in and out of my nose yeah and I think that's why they're often like 
related together is meditation is actually a good opportunity to practice mindfulness because mm. how you react when you realize that you have gone down one of those tangents or one of those rabbit holes like I most of the time I still go to my default behavior like oh you suck at this like mm. you should be focusing on your breath when really it's more about just acknowledging in a positive way that it's okay you got distracted just calmly and gently guide yourself back to your breath or whatever your your yeah, focus yeah. is for your meditation i know it's it's in it's it's really hard though in your in your head though especially when you get get really far in there to to like you're always like i should be better at this right now i should be better at this as opposed to like that ability like we were saying where like the the, the journey is the reward to say to yourself i'm getting better at this yeah you know and as soon as like you can just like anything like whether it's snowboarding or hiking or walking or your interpersonal relationships with people at work or just dealing with strangers in public in general these days because of how awkward it is to go out and around people it's just your ability to kind of like say hey yep this i'm getting better this person's doing this as opposed to like Putting blame on yourself or on others is a really good way to get away from that. Yeah, and I struggle with that, like, not just in terms of meditation, but I think as an adult, you know, I've developed skills that I use regularly for work or, or for, you know, personal hobbies. And so I've just kind of gotten into a comfort zone of doing things that I'm good at. And so when I go try to do something new like meditation or you know, during this, this COVID, I've been playing with a lot of kind of new hobbies, tried learning guitar, trying this podcast thing. And I just get so frustrated because I suck so bad at all, especially like meditation and guitar for sure. Oh, like yeah. I'm fucking terrible. Uh, the, I mean, I think, I think meditation's easier than guitar and I've been playing guitar for like 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> but either it's way, it's, just, it's, it's a new skill. It's something because as you grow older, I feel like we don't really explore new hobbies or step out of our comfort zone as much as we did when we were younger. And so you kind of get in that, that default expectation of, you know, I am good at the things that I do. And oh, then yeah. you try and go do something new, you suck at it. That's where I, I really rely on the hard 75 right now. This is stuff I haven't done either in years or ever. And it just feels really nice to challenge yourself. And I think that's kind of like why... I enjoy the extreme sports so much. I think it's just I really do enjoy going out of my comfort zone because it's it's a really cool moment in a day when you can just say like wahoo, yeah, or like yippee kaye motherfucker or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, but yeah, it's just yeah, you really do have to challenge yourself because like you're saying, you can get in that perpetual thinking like oh I'm the shit, like, mm -hmm. and then that ego check hits you because you may be flying at a hundred because you are a hundred at that skill. Yeah, but all of a sudden you just slap down to zero versus maybe flying right around that middle and just kind of like understanding like. There's some shit I'm real good at, and there's some shit I'm not good at. Yeah, and I think it, maybe it's just me, but I feel like for for certain things, like you can brute force yourself to be good at it, like snowboarding. Like I picked up snowboarding for the first time this year, and just went out and strapped myself to the board and started trying to ride down the mountain. Send it. And, and eventually, I could you know make it down the mountain. I wouldn't say that I'm that great, but no, he's I'm able good. to go. I'm able to go down <laughs> without failing, but. You can't like brute force meditation or you can't force yourself to just pick up guitar. Like you have to have humility and you have to have patience mm -hmm. and you have to admit that you suck and are going to suck for a while. And it's just 
a matter of continuing to practice and continuing to persist and just be okay with progress at whatever rate it comes. Yeah, I think I remember like the first day we went up there and uh, you might have gone a day already, but like it was like one of the first days with somebody and you're like, yeah, I just hope I don't, I don't fall out there. I just like, like you're going to fall. <laughs> and you were just like, okay. <laughs> and the acceptance was there. It just wasn't, it wasn't an open arm acceptance, but I think you were ready for it. And it, it's, it's just like life. Like, yeah, sometimes you just got to go out and you got to feet first it and see what happens. And it's going to be scary, but there's a lot of times in life where you just have to do shit that you're afraid of. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, dude, I remember that first time. Like, we, I probably felt like 10 times just going down that first short poochie run. Yep. But I went back a, a few days. I went a few times without you just to kind of practice and fall on my own. And then within like a month or so, I was able to, you know, go down the mountain fully. Obviously, people learn different things at different rate. I've been practicing meditation for way longer than a month. And <laughs> I still feel like I'm, you know, like it's my first day doing it most of the time. But. I don't know. It's just one of those things that if it were easy, it probably wouldn't be as rewarding. Yeah. It definitely is something you have to commit to. No. Yeah. Another skill or another thing that I use in the toolbox along with journaling is read or along with meditating is journaling and reading. And I was not a reader as a young man. I hated it. Mm -hmm. I didn't like, like I said, I was not good at sitting still. Um, so to be able to read the way I do now and, the, and to read some of the authors I do now, I'm actually pretty excited about. And I get really excited when I get a new book now. Um, but journaling is, is the one thing that's probably been the most helpful because I journal dreams a lot. Um, and I also just journal like daily entries just to remember some of the shittier points mm. um, and some of the really cool points. Because a lot of life is kind of just like mundane, like doing laundry and, you know, turning off your alarm and driving to work and then driving home from work. Yeah. But a lot of it can be romanticized pretty well and is really cool when you can just kind of like look at your life and be like, that is fucking sweet that I got to do that. That is pretty sweet that this is my life. And I think journaling helps you remember those better. Yeah. And kind of put them in a spot in your brain where you can just kind of find that when you need it. And when you're kind of in a shittier spot, like a depressive episode or and doing something hard at work or, you know, doing something to push yourself physically, you can kind of not only use the tool of journaling, but now you can use that, like that memory that you've created mm -hmm. to kind of push yourself in those times of need. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think journaling and reading um, are both really important in trying to dissect or, or jump into any any aspect of your own life um journaling how long have you been journaling for uh again about three years this all kind of happened from kind of just an, an experience i had just a, a kind of a traumatic experience about three years ago and so yeah just kind of all of this stuff came in ahead and i kind of started it started back then i wasn't any good at it Mm -hmm. but that's when I started and I think I've come a long way in like the three years to, to be, to be where I'm at now. So yeah, yeah. it's, it's, it's like been like three years of, of diaries now and it's a lot like, like the flower pictures I take, take pictures of. It's fun to look back at them and, and just be like, holy crap, remember when that happened? And it's not as bad of like, 
you know, waking up in the middle of the night and being like, oh man, why did I say that to that thing that to the, to that girl that one time in seventh grade, you know, like where you just like <laughs> brought out of a dead sleep with like the most embarrassing memory yeah, of your life. Yeah, those are the best dreams. Yeah, it's more of like, like things either, like they're not necessarily the best things, but it's stuff that still made me me and, yeah. and, and having them written down and, and, ha- and at least having that time of gone, o- I've gone over them. I'm able to kind of bury them better than some of the more embarrassing moments from elementary school or middle school that are still lingering with me. So Dude, those embarrassing <laughs> dreams, I get them not all the time, but I've get them before and you like wake you up and re- look around yeah. like, is anybody looking at me? Like yeah. what? Like you just remember like the worst thing you've ever done. It just, it might've not even been bad. It's just something that just embarrassed you to the core. It's yeah. Just something that you've built up in your head over yeah, the years. Yeah. But journaling, I've been doing semi-consistently for about six months. I go in streaks where I'm like really good at it. And then I'll fall off for a couple of days or a week or so. And then yeah, similar, back on. I've had similar things happen. And so I, I typically do just more of like, a daily recap and then I'll try and frame like two or three goals for the next day. Um, but I think I don't really, I haven't like fully embraced it yet because sometimes I still feel it as like more of a chore than something that I, you know, am doing for my own benefit. But I think that's a good point. Like if you look at it as kind of more of like a chronicle or like a, a history of the cool things that you've done, um, like a highlight reel, I think that that, can be beneficial but i also think if you're if you're doing it specifically as a tool to improve some aspect of yourself like like reducing ego or, or improving self-esteem um you, you don't necessarily have to journal about that every day but you you should journal specifically towards those ideas and, and write down kind of how you're feeling at the time or any opinions that you have at that time because then that'll let you gauge change over time like as you start to improve and as you start to dig into these things you have some reference point to see well you know i definitely don't think this thought as much or i definitely don't do this as much for attention now as i used to do yeah yeah and i think it's just nice like you were saying to um kind of like take it individually sometimes because then it doesn't feel so obligated like you, you you like put aside a time every day it, you might eventually be like oh man this is dragging on i don't yeah. i don't have the time for this today but if you just are like a little bit aware of it and know that you have that ability to go write it down and you're having a bad day or something really kick-ass happens to you or you just had a really medium day and you just want to write it down yeah it just having the outlet is 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 a nice ability but you don't have to write every single thought down it's just some of those things that maybe you're like, ooh, I don't know if I'm doing this right. And mm-hmm. then you can like remember it. So maybe you can reference it with your parents or, or maybe like somebody you, you trust a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, yeah. Along with that, I also, speaking of people you trust a lot, I have been seeing a therapist for three years now that has just been like the best friend of, of mine I could ask for in Portland. Um, I do pay her, so it's not like a traditional friendship. <laughs> I don't pay John sixty dollars a week to hang out with me. I'm not but that I, expensive. But I uh, do. I do uh, go to a therapist, and I think it has been uh, kind of life changing for me. I think I did luck out as well, getting somebody that I jived with as well as I did because I tried therapy at a younger age, which I thought, in looking back, you know, retrospect, it could have been a lot more helpful. Maybe if I had stuck with it, but I didn't have the ability to trust the, those people, um, and I just didn't 
jive as well. It didn't click like it did. And I just, sometimes I just don't think things were meant to be when they don't happen. And then you get moments like I did meeting my therapist, guru, counselor, whatever you want to kind of call it, um, just out by random chance. And it genuinely has changed my life. And so I do recommend therapy to folks. I know it can be expensive, but I just want to throw it out there that I think that it is more beneficial than a lot of people realize. And it's nice to just have somebody unbiased to bounce things off of. Yeah, and I still think that some people kind of hold a little bit of a stigma around it, which in 2020, I feel like, just drop it. Like, it's literally a a coach for your life. Mm -hmm. Like, you have coaches for everything else. People get coaches for starting a business. You have coaches for sports. Like, why wouldn't you want a little objective feedback on how you're going through life. Yeah. Um, I uh, think like that a lot of what I had been going through, a lot of stuff that I went through at a younger age was basically just derived from inadequacy or, or think, thinking that I wasn't able to do stuff well enough. Like you're saying, it's difficult to not be good at things right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And I often I'm, I'm not as good at things like emotionally, especially when I was younger at all and so it was nice to just kind of find somebody who could guide me in a way that like just felt like I wasn't so lost anymore it took a while some days a couple years ago I would be railing in there like why the f is this happening to me like you know this is other people's fault but like I haven't really kind of ever met somebody who's stuck with me quite like, like obviously like my family has and I know a lot of people may not even get that from their family, but I'm, I'm lucky in that regard. But I've also been really blessed to have moved across the country and found somebody that I trust as much as I do and just somebody I'm able to like kind of bounce those ideas off of and give me these abilities. Like she's the one who definitely was able to like give me a lot of guidance through my meditations and just really kept me kind of doing that homework of journaling. And it went from kind of an obligation to somebody at least I had somebody to hold me accountable with it Mm -hmm. so it was a little bit easier but it was also like it felt like homework but then it became like well now I just really enjoy this because it's an outlet and so I think it's been really life-changing yeah I guess I'm kind of on the um on the other end of that spectrum like I've been trying to find the right fit for a couple years now um I first tried seeing a therapist in Dallas um because I'm kind of the same way like I I definitely I don't think I'm like as uh go through as many ranges in emotions like you described but I think I'm cut off or blocked off from mine so that I don't really work through my emotions or feelings and just kind of feel like I'm numb most of the time and so I started working with one in Dallas it was okay it wasn't really that great um and then i've worked with a couple since i've been out here and finally just within the last month i found the one that i feel like i jive with well i feel like has a good approach has a good technique and so i guess i would just say for anybody who's looking to explore that um you know it's it's like anything you know you're you're not going to meet the right person for it right away most likely i mean you may max did um but it's just like you know like dating or like finding friends like you got to try try some out not everybody's going to be the right fit um and it does suck because there's this financial aspect tied to it but 
a lot of them will give like free 15 minute consultations or something. Um, and especially now during Corona, when everything's virtual, like you can go out and try a couple different ones and have a 15 minute interaction with them, ask them about their process, ask them what their experience has been like helping people with your certain concerns or in your position and just kind of sample shot before you actually commit and, and set up reoccurring meetings with one. Yeah. And then even at that point, if you feel like it's not working, like odds are it's probably not therapy. It's probably just that specific therapist or, or your kind of relationship with that therapist. Like maybe you guys just aren't jiving. So go out and try a different one. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I definitely tried a couple when I was younger and then I just, I, I kind of swore it off. Mm-hmm. And then when I went back, um, I went through a men's group first, actually I was doing a men's group, uh, therapy, which I thought was really helpful. And then I started doing individual along the side of that. And it just so happened through that clinic. It was just like these two women, older women, like older than my mom's age, but we just get along and they seem to just be like that, um, kind of like that energy that I was looking for. And so then once I was like kind of done with the men's group and I felt like I had accomplished what I wanted to, I moved on and just kind of stuck with my individual therapist and moved right directly to her own practice. And I kind of haven't looked back even through COVID. Mm-hmm. We now do phone sessions and stuff. So it's, it's just like, uh, it's nice to have an unbiased ally. Like I was saying, somebody that, you know, isn't going to look at you a certain way when you say something, they don't have that loaded relationship like you have with a lot of your family members or close friends or, or your, or your, your partner or whatever. And, it's just nice to be able to like throw stuff out, be vulnerable, um, hash out ideas with somebody who, you know, like is interested in what you're saying, hopefully because they're interested and not just because of the monetary value, but that monetary value does give them a vested interest in being in the room with you too. So it kind of does drive a, a good aspect of it as well. Yeah. And I think, I, I guess with mine, like we're still new, we've only been working together for like four or five weeks or so. But I think what's the most interesting about mine, and I think this kind of ties back to ego as well, is like normally I feel like I can kind of gauge people pretty well. And so if I say something, I kind of expect to know the things that she'll agree with or the things that she'll challenge me on. But she, I don't know if this is intentional or just her you know, way of doing it, but she will like call me out on the stuff that I typically think she would agree with. And and agree with the stuff that I think that she would call me out on. So I think that's just one interesting aspect that I found. Like maybe I'm not, <laughs> not as smart as I thought I was, or maybe I'm not <laughs> as intuitive as I thought I was. Maybe it was my ego creeping up a little bit. And there's definitely been times where she's kind of set that in check. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then like moving into the next part, um, just because like my therapist had recommended a lot of these things too. And I think it ties into like what we do here is just leaning into hobbies or things that you're good at, or things that you can show yourself that you're capable of. Mm-hmm. And um, it's kind of funny, because I think I actually started going to, there's a Minnesota Vikings bar in Portland on Hawthorne Avenue called Hey-o. Claudia's. And I started going there because I thought, I genuinely believed I would meet people from Minnesota there, and I'd get to watch the Vikings games, and you know have some beers and stuff. And that is actually where me and John started hanging out, and mm-hmm. now we're here. So I think it's awesome that when you can lean into those hobbies and really create something nice out of it, you know, like there's a really funny scene in uh, the movie Superbad with Bill 
hater when he's like, you don't want to meet your wife in a bar, you know, they, they, they're, 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 they're sleazy if you meet them. He's like, how'd you meet your wife? You know, the kid asked him, he's like, oh, I shot her in the neck and playing, <laughs> playing paintball, you know, like that's an amazing story because it's so <laughs> organic and so, it's so beautiful because he went out after like a, a, a failed marriage and, you know, was trying to find some new hobby and found the new love of his life by shooting her in the neck, which is just <laughs> hilarious. I forgot about that. Scene. But it's, but it's like, it's a lot like, like what, what we're talking about here, how to get out of like negative thinking or like that ego driven lifestyle, you know, go find something you're good at that you find self-worth in and not because you wanted to show it off, but because you want to like become a part of something. That's a lot of the reasons why I joined um, sports after college. I was in a lot of men's leagues and baseball and football. It wasn't because I'm some meathead and I just got to go out and win everything. I wanted to be a part of something. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a part of a goal. I wanted to go out and accomplish a goal with a group of people. And we did a couple of times and it was really fun. And even when we failed, it was really fun. So it's, if you can really lean into those hobbies and really find something you like, and that's like what my therapist told me to do because then I could kind of come back to her and be like, she'd be like, what are you into now or what are you doing now? And most of the time it was just snowboarding for a while there because that's just what I moved out here for. But then I got into like wake surfing with some friends. I got into going to the, the Vikings bar on Sundays because there's a lot of cool people down there to meet. I got you know into like a bunch of different stuff. And I'm, I've met a lot of new cool people out here because of that. So I think leaning into the hobbies and just finding fulfillment and things you really enjoy without any sort of chauvinistic or like intent behind it other than experiencing it is a really good way to get out of that ego yeah i think that's that's true it'll if you embrace you know hobbies that you're good at or or even if you're not good at them things that you enjoy um, that kind of builds that self-value that self-esteem and i think for me something that's interesting is i i didn't really i don't know that i really had I guess what I'd call hobbies before moving out here. When I lived in Dallas, my hobbies were, you know, going out drinking three or four nights a week. Um, yeah, or <laughs> And then spending the other nights like watching Netflix or playing video games or something. And so those, those aren't hobbies. Um, but I knew that I wanted to be somewhere that I was more accessible to, to outdoor recreation because I did enjoy the outdoors growing up in Minnesota Texas, there wasn't really a huge opportunity for it. Everything's kind of flat and it's super hot. And so that was one of my goals to move out here is to kind of explore those hobbies. And so I've done that, you know, tenfold and, and developed some some good hobbies that I truly enjoy doing and often am proud of myself for. Um, but then I think there's also room to continue exploring hobbies just because you have a set number of things that you do doesn't mean that that those are it. Um, and kind of like Max was alluding to earlier, in exploring those hobbies, it sets you up for, for other opportunities. You know, you could shoot somebody in the neck and end up marrying them yeah. or, you know, meet a new friend group at a bar somewhere. Um, and so I, lately, like, I've, I've been trying to do that a little more and kind of flex that muscle a little more. Like, obviously, we were just talking about it, guitar and, and podcast and just these other random things that I've been trying. I think COVID's been a, a great opportunity to explore some other hobbies just because there's not a ton else to do. And a lot of your, your typical hobbies that you enjoy, you know, could be impacted or could be cut off, especially if you're into 
um, leaving the Any house. Any sort of social <laughs> gathering or music going, it is just, it, I, I feel so bad for a lot of those. I, yeah. I love I love going to live shows. I'm terrible at buying tickets, so I don't go as much as a lot of my friends. Mm. But it's just like that. that is one of the things I miss the most, and I feel like it's so bad for folks that really like to meet and, and, and cut it up that way. So Yeah. Yeah, so I think just don't don't fall into a pattern or, or fall into a rut of only doing what you're comfortable with or what you've been doing. Um, it's a it's a big world, and there's other opportunities out there, and you, you may find something that you like, um, and then that becomes more fuel for the good side of the coin, the self-esteem side. Um, you know, unless you have like uh, like we talked about, kind of those negative motivations which in turn fuels the the bad side the ego yeah and Uh, then uh yeah like one of the last things that i think this is the number one thing to really kill the ego and it's probably the one i'm the worst at but just giving or being of service to other people giving up your time um giving some compassion throwing out compliments just being there for other people holding the door for somebody you know you see somebody struggling with their groceries or something asking if they need help you know nothing overbearing but like you know just being of service to others and i do it from time to time kind of like the key times of the year um thanksgiving i usually do christmas i usually do down at the union gospel mission but i feel like i could be giving more back with like volunteer work and stuff like that Mm -hmm. it's just it's hard to find the time when you're really trying to build everything and that's no excuse though but it's just like i feel the best when I go out and I actually help somebody, and I genuinely mean this, if you go to volunteer, do not put it on social media. <laughs> do not put this in the ego box. I've, do I've not go that. help people and then be like, hey, check this out. I mean, honestly, put it on social media if you want to. Like, that's what I'm saying. But my my, my goal here is like your intent. What's your intent with this? Are you yeah. out there like glorifying homelessness or, or is this just some sort of some like uh agency or some sort of organization um just go out because you really want to mm-hmm. in your heart of hearts and you really just you just you're trying to like beam that light out into the world and yeah so yeah that's just kind of like my two cents on that one i've definitely been guilty of that um i'm not saying anybody's guilty of it do what you want like i'm not the social media judge here i'm just saying if your intent is to really glorify something that's kind of it's just kind of lousy in my opinion so yeah I think giving time is, for a lot of people, um, kind of like you said, it's it's one of those things that you, you have to consciously set aside time for, which a lot of people, I feel like, aren't always willing to do. But I think the other piece of it that you talked about kind of compliments and, and just being more compassionate towards people, I think that's going to be really, really important now as shelter-in-place starts to open up and we start interacting with people that we've you know, been staying six to 10 feet away from or been avoiding like the plague or haven't seen their face because they're wearing masks. Like this is a time to start setting new trends and kind of building new habits as we re-engage with people and kind of reform these, these habits of how we interact with people. Like this is an opportunity to just be nicer and be more compassionate compliment people instead of you know walking walking the state 10 feet away from them yeah and 
it's just i think it's just like we've said before like just take the good with the bad sometimes like you were saying like covid's been an opportunity for you to improve yourself Mm -hmm. i've done the same thing it's been a really good ability it's it's been like a forced meditation almost you know like a forced mindfulness where you have to kind of step back and start thinking about oh man like what are we fighting against what is this thing and and so it's just been kind of cool and so i think in that same regard like once it starts going back to like whatever normal is now yeah the new normal you have to kind of have that compassion exactly like you're saying and just thinking out loud here like go out of your way to maybe make somebody feel a little more comfortable maybe you're not so worried about the six to ten foot rule yeah maybe somebody else out there is really afraid of it and they really don't know what they're going up against and they really don't want to go home you know, and have stomach problems because you stressed them out all day, you know? Yeah. So, like, maybe just kind of, like, lend that little bit while you can, and that could be enough to just be of service to others and really start bringing yourself out of that ego side. Yeah, I mean, obviously, respect people's boundaries. Like, if they're, <laughs> there's still going to be a lingering, I guess, concern about uh, a second wave for the foreseeable future, I think. I think it's going to go well through this year and probably into next year where there's still uh, a potential threat. But uh, obviously, be courteous, but but don't don't use it as a as an excuse to just stay in your lane and not interact with other people Um, you you can wave and smile at folks yeah even when you're wearing a mask like you can see their eyes you can tell when somebody's smiling at you or when they're scoffing at you you can tell you can draw a smiley face on your mask (laughs) they have like creepy clear ones now i've seen where you can see the smile and i'm like no like i'd I'd rather just guess because that looks terrifying i've seen dudes with like skeleton ones now and like just getting all crazy get get creative with it get some like some cow patterns or some leopard (laughs) patterns or something my mom made she made some homemade ones i have them uh, in my drawer but she sent me like an american flag one yeah, it's like, yeah america Day, yeah um all right in closing do you have any other updates you want to give on uh 75 we um, are 30 days left officially loving it we're um, done june 30th yeah I eat way better than i used to uh work out way more regularly mm, just enjoying it and yeah i like the way it's changed everything so far and i just kind of have a little bit more structure in my life are you gonna do what are you gonna do for the work week blah, workouts? Because this is the last week of that on its six challenge. I'm probably just gonna keep going with some sort of kettle circuit because I really like using the kettlebell now. I'm getting pretty good with it. Yeah. Um, and then other than that, just kind of like any sort of like hit training. I know there's a lot of like online programs for hit training and more outdoor running because the weather is getting a little bit nicer and stuff. Yeah. I'm really excited for the program to be over just to eliminate the outside workout aspect i feel like that's been the toughest like i can see myself once we get back into a flow and everything opens up doing like the body weight one in the morning or even just the yoga pieces like i enjoyed the yoga so much i can see myself doing that like every morning and then still going to hit the weights or something in the afternoon at the gym um but i yeah i mean i'm gonna i've been doing i think we talked about this last time but i wanted to do more um like hit stuff for my second exercise which i have been doing i've been running the stairs over on the uh, broadway bridge and i've been doing more like uphill sprint type stuff um, so i've really been liking that the legs are a lot more uh gassed from it but um you know there's only only a little bit left so we get to push through um this friday i'm stoked for it. it's our 25 day mark so i'm gonna have another cheat meal i'm gonna make a badass keto pizza and just devour that thing that sounds amazing. And yeah, I'm pretty. It's, it's pretty much just like 
cheese and meat in a dish pretty much yeah yeah. i've seen i've seen like the the delivery keto pizzas and it's everything i love about pizza they have delivery ones i've looked i swear i've seen come you need to link me i'll try i will try but yeah i'm gonna do i'm gonna do uh pdx sliders and get a cheeseburger nice I uh, I can't risk Chipotle again after that first experience. Like, <laughs> disappointment. Yeah, I cannot go through. You gotta that ride the wave. Break. You gotta ride that wave of disappointment. You know, <laughs> be mindful of it. I was try. I tried to practice mindfulness there, but yeah, yeah, yeah. same time, dude, you fucked up my Chipotle. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, cool. Well, this has been number two. Um, <laughs> we still haven't posted the first one, but yep. uh, we'll get these up soon and. Uh, have many more to come hopefully yeah thank you everybody yep take care later